1: My name is Melissa McCarthy, and I feel just delightful about being Conan O'Brien's best friend. Oh, best friend? Yeah, I'm assuming.
0: Yes. Yes, of course. I have to make a few calls very quickly.
2: Fall is here, hear the yell, back to school, ring the bell, brand new shoes, Walking blues, climb the fence, books and pens, I can
0: Hello there and welcome to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. Uh, I am Conan O'Brien. I think that's pretty clear. And yes, I'm always in need of a friend. Uh, this podcast is a search uh, to connect with people. I'm having an absolute blast I we've been doing this for a while now and I just keep having more and more fun. So it's been kind of a revelation. And uh I am assisted as always by uh my right hand, our uh sort of producer extraordinaire, Matt Gorley.
2: Your right withered hand.
0: Yeah, exactly. No, you're uh you do a terrific job, Matt. And and you are, you know, I, I didn't realize this when I first met you, I thought, uh, you know, who is this clown? And I think I behaved terribly towards you. And over time, I found that you are the podcast whisperer. You're very well respected in regard in the podcast space. Uh, I still don't take anything back, I said. No, no. Because I, I... I think it helped you. I think it built your character.
2: Can you believe it? We're, we're coming up on three years.
0: Is it really? Almost three years? Yeah. Wow. It's been fun. It's been just sailing by. And of course, Sonam has been with us uh, for a long time. She is out right now on maternity leave, uh, rearing uh, her her twin babies, Mikey and Charlie. And um, I saw them recently on a Zoom and they are adorable. And filling in for Sona uh, is her assistant. I can't believe Sona had an assistant <laughs> because apparently Sona never did anything. But, uh, but, but what little she did do, you were doing David Hopping. Thanks for being here, David. Thank you. You know what's funny? I was um, recently, I was just yesterday, someone said that they had one criticism of the podcast. Hmm. And of course uh, I was intrigued and I said, what's that? And the person said, it's not long enough. Oh. oh, And I thought, well, that's good. I like that because we're, and I said, well, we, you always want to leave them in show business wanting more. Mm-hmm. The person didn't seem to like that I said that. They're like, no, 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 it really isn't long enough. Oh. The, the The interviews need to be, um, longer, I enjoy them, but they stop too soon. And I was trying to explain that I don't want to, you know, I didn't want to do like a two hour
2: extravaganza. Yeah. I've been editing these down to four minutes though. Just
0: so. Oh, okay. Well, That that's, might that, be why. That, that explains yeah. what the problem is, but yeah. I'm always afraid of going too long, but this person was quite adamant that, <laughs> uh, that these should be sh- uh, longer hmm. and, um, I'm just going to say, no, I'm just going to say, I, I like the, what's our average running time, Matt? It
2: comes in around 60 minutes without ads, so it, it can go anywhere from like an hour five to hour 10. But then if it's someone like, you know, your Michael Keaton or something, it might go a little longer or something. Your Barack you never, Obama. Who? Yeah.
0: <laughs> we actually did a shockingly, I only did, I think, he was prepared to talk to me for an hour. And after, I don't know if you remember, after 11 minutes, I said, I think we got it. (laughs) Remember that? Yeah. And he went, but I have a lot to say that I haven't said to anybody before. And I'd like to tell you now, Conan, things about my personal life. (laughs) And I said, yeah, 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 yeah. We got it. I think we're all good. Uh, Gotta go. (laughs) And um, I probably could have gone a little longer with him.
2: Yeah, well, next time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) keeps asking to come God, back, but- He
2: won't leave us alone. He won't. Was he the person that said that?
0: <laughs> <laughs> he was the one. Who gl- and then he called me back. Uh, the podcast is not long enough. <laughs> I listened and it's uh, exactly seven minutes. You cut me off. That's not really, I don't even think that's a Barack Obama impression, but it that's gives you bad. the idea. It's that yeah. staccato. Mm-hmm. He punches his sentences. hmm Uh, But anyway, um, I think we're gonna keep it. What do you think, Matt? What could be better about the podcast? I'm always trying to get better and grow in every way. Whoa,
2: God. Oh, man, I'm not prepared for this. No, that Um, just
0: means there's nothing else we can do. It's pretty much perfect.
2: I tried to think of something. There's not a single thing.
0: Yeah, well, that's why I always ask for criticism very quickly on the spot and then move on.
2: Yeah, that's smart.
0: Never give anyone time to think about (laughs) all the things that we could do to make this so much better, because who needs that? Uh, David, how are you enjoying the experience of being on the podcast? It's been fun. Yeah, you're getting recognized a lot now? No. No, of It's a podcast. <laughs> it's a podcast. I Who's love gonna- to text Sona how much fun it is to be her. Oh my God, uh, Sona has so much FOMO. And oh, for yeah. you kids listening, that's fear of missing out. Um, she can't stand that we're having all this fun. Uh-uh. And that she's missing her old life, as happy as she is Mm -hmm. having created two human beings. um, And then we torment her. So we do, uh, David and I keep doing all of Sona's favorite things that she would do with me. Like she loves uh, sushi from this place, Sugarfish. Uh Uh And there's one right next to our podcast studio. And I keep taking David there. And that's one of her favorite things in the world is eating on my dime. And David and I will gorge ourselves on really good sugar fish sushi. Mm-hmm. And then we take selfies where I'm just laughing maniacally and you're in the background
2: <laughs> yeah. with some
0: Toro hanging out of your mouth. And then we send to <laughs> Sona and she flips out. Oh. And then he'll, and then at the end he'll, he could just give me the receipt, but he'll take a picture of the receipt and text it to Sona too. <laughs> yeah, I text it to Sona to say like, all right, by the way, make sure this receipt gets accounted for. And she's like, David's right there. He could do that.
2: Uh, I can't believe I'm saying this, but we should do a segment where we eat s'mores and watch Friends just to make it. Oh job. my God.
0: Oh. Yeah. We should do everything Sona would like to do uh-huh. and just to torment her. That would mean alcohol. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, okay. likes her, she likes I'm her in. white wine. Uh, and that. and we should watch um, what's that movie um, about the strippers, the male strippers? Oh, Magic uh, Mike. Magic Mike. Yeah, we should do a Magic Mike binge watch while we drink white wine
2: and you have to get, e- get high. I love too. this idea and get high. Yes,
0: and and um, eat tons of In and Out Burger. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and if and and then just be laughing maniacally and videotaping the whole thing, and then we should send it to Sona.
2: I love this. I, I mean, think that's just, a great plan. And just we sh- as a night sounds good. Yeah. Let's not even shoot it. Yeah.
0: Or else, let's let's all, also I just say let's skip all the other stuff and let's just all go and watch some male strippers.
2: Let's the three of us go to Vegas, drink mm-hmm. wine at the Thunder Down Under Strip Club, mm-hmm. and get high. Yeah, and then just hang out
0: for weeks and weeks with the guys from. What am I revealing? Sounds <laughs> very really strange. Just keep coming back to how do we hang out with the guys from Thunder Down Under? <laughs> it's
2: the first question when you interviewed us.
0: <laughs> do you have any connections yeah. to Thunder Down Under? That is you the question. Said that that is the question. The room today. <laughs> Again, uh, I know that I've known you for three years, Matt Gorley, but any connections with the fellas in Thunder from Down Under?
2: I'll ask Barack Obama. If he's got
0: <laughs> on it. I don't know those gentlemen. I've never met those gentlemen. I myself have reached out. Try and inquire. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I'm very excited. Uh, My guest today is an Emmy award-winning actress who has starred in such movies as Bridesmaids, Ghostbusters, and Can You Ever Forgive Me? Uh, Now you can see her in the new film, The Starling, and in the Hulu series, Nine Perfect Strangers. Uh, She also co-produced the new Netflix documentary, Bob Ross Happy Accidents, Betrayal, and Greed. That is a terrific documentary. You've got to check that out. I'm thrilled she's with us today. She is so incredibly talented and nice. Melissa McCarthy, welcome. I was headed out the door today and my wife said, what are you up to today? And she said it in that way that after nearly 20 years of marriage, what are you up to? Then? <laughs> <laughs> that kind of loathing.
1: Like you were like shaking dice in your hand ready right yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. to like, going in an alley. <laughs>
0: I got a craps game over on Third Street. Um, <laughs> I'd be great if I was known as the guy that's got a rolling craps game oh. that's just moving throughout Los Angeles and um, and lots of sort of scummy celebrities with me. <laughs> all, all in straw
1: hats and like Cuba, Cuban shirts. I'd be like, yeah.
0: And you were regularly part of it. And we, uh, whenever we saw police coming, we would just grab our dice and run.
1: It would not be a hard sell to be like, will you spend time in an alley doing that? I'd be like, yeah.
0: Yes, I. Would. You just hear Alley. I'm there. <laughs> I'm always in an alley. I want to be in an alley. No, I. I mention to anybody, including my wife, that I'm going to be talking to you today, and I immediately get, "Oh my god, I love her." And I'm like, "Well, what am I?" I immediately made it about me. <laughs> Way uh, to go. Which is what I. I wonder do.
1: why she looks at you with scorn. <laughs>
0: <laughs> During um, our wedding vows, she had to say, "Will you always make it about him?" I wrote that part,
2: and oh. she said it. She said it.
0: Wow! Yeah, that's
2: she, wonderful. She really
0: wanted in on that. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> she that's
1: what we all. That's what we all dream of yeah. hearing
0: those words. No, uh, you are. I mean, just I was thrilled that I'd get a chance to talk to you. I've talked to you a couple of times mm-hmm. uh, on the TV show, but that's a very different experience because it's seven minute segment and turn around so and music fast. and this is really nice because um we do have there are some things i'd love to talk to you about and some points of uh sort of commonality as sort of i think when it comes to comedy that i wanted to talk to you about for example the groundlings that's how i met lisa kudrow we were both in a class we were literally put money in a jar and we were both just out of college and thinking what are we doing we went to college and now we're in a tiny room on la cienega pretending to hold a disc that isn't there.
1: Oh, lift a disc, guys. Yeah. It's um, it's just, if you're ever around anyone that does uh, or did improvise, if you just throw out anybody want to lift a disc, it's, they'll all get it. It's You're just pretending to lift a huge disc together. And, yes. um, I remember even at the time, I was like, I don't really think there's a disc. <laughs> I mean, are they seeing a disc? Like, is everybody else like, I see the disc. And I was like, I'm just kind of holding my hand. Like, I was like, how thick is the disc? Like, yeah. I asked too many questions. So yes. I like, just lift just lift the disc. I was like, how, like, is it cast iron? Is right. it balsa wood? Like, these yeah. are, they're like, just, just crouch down and put your hands out and come up at the same time as everyone else. I'm like, you got it.
0: I ruptured a muscle in my back <laughs> lifting a disc that wasn't there. Because uh, oh. I, I, I uh, you know, in the world of improv, the first thing they start teaching you and you think it's going to be all about being funny and back and forth and creating really funny scenes and they really drill down on space work, which is they don't have actual props because it's all being improvised. So you have to pretend it's there like a mime.
1: No matter what my go-to, and I didn't even realize I was doing it, um, somebody's like, what are you doing? Cause almost depa- like you're on a, you're a sea captain out on, you know, out yeah. on an eye, no matter what it was, I would always do kind of the same thing. And they're like, what?
0: Like folding something,
1: I was always wrapping a present because <laughs> I thought it's scattered enough that it keeps me really active, and I really am doing it. And then you're doing the corners, but it's confusing enough where people are, and then ripping the tape. You're busy enough where some you, they buy you're doing something. But
0: I love that you're you're a doctor. They say a doctor emergency room, and you have to save the patient. Yeah, first just and the guy is flatline. The f- guy is flatlining, and you're in the corner ma- wrapping a present. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's my anniversary, guys. I've <laughs> I gotta get this this raked up for my husband. hold out,
0: yeah, but you did stand up first, right i
1: did I did it was the first thing i I ever did performance wise really and um it, you know, I was twenty in New York I think it was I think it was the second day I was in New York City, and my best friend's like you're gonna do stand up tonight. I'm like, i
0: right. <laughs> I think you're just Then you're going to tw- fly a fighter plane. Okay. <laughs>
1: okay. Can't be that hard. Other people do it. I think I was just I think cuz my process was not okay. What do I do to have to get rid of What does it really take? It was just at 20 you're like, "Well, how hard can it be?" You know, I wasn't I don't know why I suddenly sound like that. I didn't sound like a grizzled old um, uh I'll go back to sea captain. Yeah. Uh, but I just didn't I was like, "Sure. I guess you just get up there and talk." So I just went in and like went up on stage and I was like, I guess I'm just so weird. I'll tell weird, hopefully funny stories. And I didn't do, especially this was like 1990, Mm -hmm. maybe 91. I didn't have jokes, which I still always say when people are like, oh, what are your jokes? I'm like, I I can't deliver jokes. I don't know how to to do that. It's like such a great skill set, but I can't. It's not how my brain works. So I would just tell these long stories and then – It went okay, and to which I was shocked, and I kept doing it, and people were like, what's your set? Like, I don't – what set are you working on? I was like, I don't – I just kind of get up and say stuff. They're like, are you not writing – like, you don't – you're not writing it? Right. And then I was like, oh, shit, am I supposed to be writing it? Like, I had no idea of, like, any of the prep, and then I didn't like the combativeness. In those stand-up clubs, There, it it seems like it's the same guy. So I'm always like, you've got to have a really busy schedule because – Every single club I worked, I was like, Are you the same guy?
0: Audience member heckling. Oh,
1: always somebody there's always one dude in the audience that like, no matter what mid sentence, he's like, take your top off. <laughs> right. And I was like, What? Yeah, I'm like one. Has that ever worked? Where I'm like, I'm compelled. Like, (laughs) I was like, has that ever? Have you ever seen flesh when you yelled, "Take your top off" to a woman ever? I'm like, buddy. But then the but what I didn't like was that he was going to keep talking, and you had to win. So now instead of talking about my stupid telling my stupid story i have to go at this guy and i can't it would have been fun if it was just back and forth that's not what he was there to do he was there to disrupt so the only way to get him and you know i was just starting out so that we had like you've got four and a half minutes like there's not a lot of time you had to go at this person hard enough that you embarrass them and truly they sh- and
0: they shut up and
1: yeah. they shut up and then i went home being like Well, that guy that was sitting there either alone or with his other friend that also looks miserable, I made him feel even worse. Like, they went in to kind of hopefully be funny to people. And instead, I was like, I think I really hit a nerve with that guy who already seems... A little lost anyway, since he's yelling, Take your top off in a crowded room. And I, and I just, I, I couldn't get away from that. Like every room I worked, except if like I, I love like the duplex in New York because right. it was a, a uh, they had stand up there. It was a, uh, it was a gay club and I loved it because no one, not a single man there wanted me to take my top off. <laughs> and it was just a very welcoming- I uh, true group. have
0: always done better in gay clubs. Uh, <laughs> 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 they don't want to see me take my top off though. They're like, put on another sweater. <laughs> 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 More layers, Conan.
1: What you need are layers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, yeah, it's interesting because famously in stand up, and especially in, you're talking about New York. And I think in New York and Boston, the sense I always got, and I have so much respect- for stand-up comedians that come from that world because I think it's just – it's evolution and you've got to fight your way through it. But I think it is so difficult to come through that environment and not be changed by it. Because it is all exterior. Like what you're
1: talking about, you don't get – I mean, my favorite thing when I work is you get what's on the page and then once we have that, somebody's like, okay, there you go. And it's those spontaneous moments that you didn't know you were going to say it. The person – that you're working with didn't know you were going to say. it. Now they respond. You're actually getting a a real spontaneous moment, right? And that to me is like if you can get the camera in the right place and your mouth works. Like to me, in in movies or in whatever, like those are the moments that you're like because you, I think you I think you can kind of tell none of that was kind of pre planned. And there's oh, a it's I, so
0: fun too. Just selfishly, this is you're saying my theory. I have often found I don't know why it is, but I've had a long career where I've done both. I've done prepared comedy, and then there's been um, ad-libbing. And the prepared comedy can go great, but if you ad-lib or find something in the moment that wasn't there, the audience knows it. And what you get is exponentially greater than the thing that was crafted by some of the funniest writers I've ever met. Why? They just know audiences know when it was made in the moment. They know that that's a brand new cookie out of the oven. I do
1: too. And I think there's a tightrope to it that they're like, oh, they also know that like, holy God, like that just actually worked. And like, he doesn't know it's, con- I think there's, it's when it becomes more of like a sporting event or something where you really are like, none of this was planned. I remember the right. first time I went to see the groundlings, I just kept looking around and I was like, well, what, what part's going to be improvised? Cause this isn't like, it's too, it's all making sense. It's super crazy funny, but it was – there was this weird excitement to it, and then – I mean, it's like I almost didn't believe it at first because I came from – I did stand-up for a very short amount of time, very short, like six months, and Mm -hmm. I was like – and then I immediately went into acting school because Mm -hmm. I said the words all – new performers were like, I probably really should do a one woman show, which is like just nails on a chalkboard to anyone who's probably (laughs) been doing it. So I went, I started acting class and then I just did drama for the next seven years. Like I didn't do any like tortured play I did. And I was like, I guess I'm done with comedy. And it
0: wasn't until- That's fascinating to me. I didn't know that. And I can't imagine you, uh, I know that you do both beautifully, but the idea that you decided- um, I'm gonna, you know, I, I might be leaving comedy is fascinating to me.
1: I didn't think about doing funny plays for some reason. I was like, well, now I've switched to
0: acting. Like it's so, an either or.
1: Like it's an either or, and I mean, I didn't get more serious in my life. I was still, you know, like, oh, my friends were weird and we were funny together. I think, or at least we found ourselves to be. But um, I even remember my teacher once when someone said that she, I used to do stand up. He's like, I just, I don't see that at all. I can't imagine you doing that. And I was like, well, I don't do it anymore. And then getting to Groundlings really, like, I mean, to me, that was my college.
0: What I loved was, and as we both know, there's a lot of generosity in stand up, in uh, in, um, improv, there's a lot of generosity and working well together. And then there are, you know, Improv can sometimes be less generous <laughs> when they know there's an agent in the audience. <laughs> yeah, there's that. <laughs> and also,
1: some people are amazing at, I mean, we, I don't, can I swear on this show? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, we actually, we,
0: we, oh, we, we, right? we add swears later oh, if you don't say them. Wonderful.
1: Yeah. We were always like certain, uh, we've always said like certain people are really good fuck you improvisers, like Michael McDonald, mm-hmm. um, super funny guy. Uh, he would, and it was so good, but it was still, it wasn't being selfish. But when you'd walk in, he was like, oh, Your pronounced limp seems marginally better, and he would keep adding stuff to you. So it was actually super fun.
0: Yeah. Or he was laying it out there and then you was, had to but you would, had to make it happen oh my
1: god or it's like he's like cur- right before you know if he thought it, if every once in a while one person runs backstage to make an entrance at the it, while well, it's you know before the lights come up and whoever was coming in he's like oh any moment now my, my Dutch cousin is coming he would just you know my Dutch cousin would don't mention her limp and her lazy eye yeah and you have to and then you're make, like, make Son all that of
0: happen of a bitch <laughs> how do I do a Dutch accent it's
1: like, you know I was like I don't even know it's, I was like you know then you you're gonna make an ass out of yourself, but it was also so fun. And I don't know why I would never. I never thought of it. But there's certain people who are so good at that. Like he yes. would always just set someone up, and like you had a list to fulfill before you, like coming through the door. It was like you know, it was just it, there's something so fun to it, and to just being like there's something to the yes and yes world of it, where no matter what someone says
0: yes, and you have
1: to go. You can't say like this book is heavy. And no, can not. Can't, yeah. It's like, okay, the scene's over.
0: It's so funny because I've, in my long years, I've done sometimes found myself in situations where I'm kind of performing with a stand up, someone who's really good at stand up, like a very famous stand up. And then we'll get into an improvisational thing. And I'll notice they keep saying, wait, stop, <laughs> stop. Okay, <laughs> now listen to me. And I think, what the fuck? You can't do that. And they're, but they come from a different world, which is I've got the microphone. I'm in complete control.
1: And you have to fight for they their whole thing is a fist fight. Like stand-ups to me, um, I work with Billy Gardell for
0: sure. years and years yeah. who
1: somehow has stayed an absolute sweetheart, even though He's a lovely guy. He's he's heaven. Billy operates yeah. on a totally and he's so good at stand up. He has this thing of he can push, but it never seems like he's trying to tell the audience they don't it's not that there's different types of stand ups. There's some that are like, if you don't get it, it's because you're stupid. Yes. I think, which I'm always like, mm. And then there's Billy who can say, aren't these things stupid, but it's not, I'm better than it. Like he's yeah. somehow in on, he's the butt of the joke as much as anybody else is. Well, and there's a, there's a beautiful balance to that.
0: Yes. There is a type of comedy, and again, I'm not into naming names, but if you go to the website, I'll put it out there. <laughs> um, there's a type of comedian... And their whole thing is, I am the knower of the truth, and I'm going to tell you uh, what the truth is.
1: Yeah. I was always like, I think I'm the one that's supposed to fall down the stairs and like rip their pants. That's (laughs) like, I don't, it's never, I've never been like, what I want to do is highbrow. Like, I don't, and I know some people can, it's not my thing. I always was like, I'd rather, I feel like if I'm the, like, if I'm the butt, if I'm the butt in the joke, then I'm doing, then at least I'm in the right area. I don't know how to do, the other, I start to feel like well then I just feel like I'm pretending to be someone, but I'm intrinsically I'm not cool enough to be snarky. Yeah. I would be so bad at it. I don't think it's like a great thing for someone who's kind of a nerd.
0: I gotta say, everywhere I go, people are talking about monopoly go. And for good reason. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. This is unbelievable. I've been talking about this idea for years.
2: I know. I want you to explain it more. I can. Okay.
0: With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required access from anywhere. I had this idea years ago. (laughs) I was telling people no one listened to me. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems. Remember when I said that? Yeah. Because you've got one unified, unified business, business management, management suite. suite. You yes. said that. Yeah. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math, man. Yeah. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one of a kind flexible financing program. For a few more weeks, head to netsuite.com slash Conan, netsuite.com slash Conan. I'm going to say it one more time just for emphasis, netsuite.com slash Conan. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all sometimes have issues or things we need to talk about, get off our chest. I have that all the time. Don't you, Sona? I do. Yeah. And we need people to talk to. And we carry around different stressors. We carry big stressors. We carry small stressors. Uh, I was raised in a culture where you're supposed to kind of bottle it up. And I've learned over time that that's not the best thing to do. If you do let things rattle around in there for a while without talking it out, it can affect your life very negatively. Well, therapy is a safe space where you can get things off your chest, figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. BetterHelp is designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. A lot of people have a barrier towards getting therapy because they think, well, I don't know, I've got to find the person, talk to them. What if I, it's not a good match? I, then it's awkward. None of that. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and then you switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Conan today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Conan. You had success. You had, you know, you had proven yourself. Then Bridesmaids comes along. And it's this sea change for you, which I thought was really lovely because it was deserved. But, you know, that's a movie I've probably seen 15 times. And I think my wife has seen it 45 times. (laughs) Uh, And um, whenever we encounter that movie, wherever we find it and whatever we're doing, we stop and we watch until Uh the movie's over. But your character is absurd, but also... And I, I I don't know if I should credit this to your acting training because you, you know, I now know that you spent many years, but it's commitment.
1: I would say almost all parts I've played, for the most part, I really have, like, I, I love them. Like, mm. I I fall in love with, with who they are. And so I just tried to do the best job of, like, they are funny, but they're funny because, I mean, I always, I think we fall in love with people in the world because of our Ticks and weirdnesses and eccentricities. I don't – somebody who's like, I love them because they're perfect. Yeah. They never say the wrong thing. They never – I'd be like, oh, i would be so – I think of Ben and I. I'm like, we're so weird. Well, we're so incredibly weird yeah. that when I play people, I think sometimes they're like, oh, you're making fun of that type of woman. And I was like, no, that's the woman that fascinates me. That's right. the woman I can't take my eyes off of because eccentric people to me are the ones that like – if you're in a store – And there's just somebody That's like Yeah I'm in all purple Wait till you see me In the parking lot Because my car is purple
0: That's the one That I'm literally
1: like I get love goggles And I'm not making fun of them I'm literally like Yeah "Yeah, You are living right Because you don't give a shit What anybody else thinks about you You're not hurting anyone You are just Decked out in grape And that's (laughs) Like I used to go There was a huge big lots On Western Mm -hmm. That when that That went away I literally was like Well I don't know What's going to happen now (laughs) I would go Two or three times a week. I go to another Big Lots, but it's not the same. It's not as big. It's not the same as that Um, other Big Lots. It really isn't. It's not. When the one on Western went, it was really the end of an era. And and Ben always knew. He's like, because I'd come home with like extension cords and like a socket wrench or things (laughs) that we didn't need. But I was like, well, I don't know. It was kind of (laughs) cool. But I would go there because something about that store, because it had so many weird frames. The Big Lots is, I think it's most places, but it's almost like an old dime store. There's like two rows of food. I want to say. And then there's like weird specialties. Then they could be like a recliner and tupper. It's so. It's like every weird. It's just a weird mishmash of things at a at a good price. So I would go in there and just push a cart around and watch people mm-hmm. because there were such characters in there. And then you know it, it got trickier when I started to get recognized. Yep. I was like, oh no. And I did think about- You can't
0: spy on people anymore.
1: No. And I did think, I was like, I'm going to go to Big
0: Lots in a wig. And Ben's
1: like, that's the picture that
0: they'll get for sure. <laughs> <laughs> like that's the Melissa one where- McCarthy like, has total breakdown.
1: Totally. Which I would love. They did me, they got me coming out of a 99 cent store once and the cat, which I really should have saved this one. The caption said, (laughs) it said something like, Melissa's frugalness is tearing her family apart. (laughs) (laughs) So he had like two big bags of, I think I was getting containers when the kids were going through, like everything was, they were making slime. Like yeah. But yeah, yeah, I love that. But I used to go there and just, and I love because there is a commitment. Those people are like, yeah, this is what it is. This is, I live like this because I want to. So it's like, if I can ever get that into a, it's really a, it's a love letter to people that Don't give a shit what other people think of them in a good way.
0: I loved – because you're bringing up Ben. Ben is your husband and – Who I met at the Groundlings. And you met at the Groundlings. And it was so funny because – the first time I saw Bridesmaids, you two have that amazing scene where he's an <laughs> undercover TSA agent and you're guessing he's an undercover <laughs> TSA agent and questioning him and wanting to know where his gun is and saying it is in your butt. And he's like, what? And I was watching it and as just as a fan of great improv, I could tell, yeah, I think some of this is scripted, but also some of this really feels like you two know each other and you two are in a pocket where you're really comfortable and... You are, you're both going for it. You're just both going for it and having a good time. And that's, I mean, that's one of my favorite scenes in it. And then I love the reveal that, yes, he does have a gun. <laughs> and you knew it all along. When we think your character is just completely on the wrong track.
1: I know. I was like, oh, that's a great button to that weird, right? And we did, there, they, you know, Kristen Annie wrote such an amazing mm-hmm. script, but it's like, what was great is uh, them and Paul Feig, like when we do it once or like, well, we've got that, like, say what it like, now go. And especially all of those, like, Kristen, Annie, we, like, we were all, the only exception was Ellie Kemper and Rose. Otherwise, we were all from the groundlings. Like, we didn't think anybody was going to think that was funny. We're like, well, we're doing this weird thing that we do for free. Well, actually, we pay for it because you have to buy your own wigs and stuff. And we had no idea. It was like, it was funny to us, but we kind of figured, oh my God, we're getting to make this movie, which seemed crazy, but we never, we didn't really know if it was going to connect with anyone because right. it's just what we were we'd been doing in this little tiny theater on Melrose Avenue and uh, it was so fun because they would we were so used to each other yeah. that they would yeah and there's so many well, weird me, that, things said th- and that
0: that's, me- <laughs> that's where comedy and music are really the same they're different forms of the same thing and I, I can't I can't describe what that thing is but uh, they're both um,
1: you do have to be on the beat with someone
0: yeah you're on the beat and you know your craft and you know your instrument and then there's complete trust. And those are all a lot of ifs. That's a lot of yeah. ifs. But if you can get all those things together, and I think the greatest gift in this life next to, you know, partner and kids, the greatest gift is if you can do something that you would do anyway with your friends for fun, and then someone says, great job, here's your check. You go, what? <laughs> Why would you pay me? And and also, so many of the things that I've done in my life that I have have given that I hear about the most are things that I never thought anybody would like.
1: I, ben and I have talked about that before. We're like, we would still be making weird – I mean, we still do make weird videos. and st- It's like we – the fact that it's now our job and when we're doing something, I'm, like especially if it's – like if I'm in the midst of uh, doing something very strange, I always look at Ben and I'm like, I am being my most professional at this moment. Yeah. And he's like, yes, this is what your assigned profession is. And then, you know, I'm in like waiters and in like a gravy river or something. <laughs> it's super weird. But I just, I love when it's like you know, the odds of it. But yeah, I would have done it. I, I don't think I ever would have stopped doing it, even if I would have gone a different way with my career and it hadn't worked out.
0: It's just to me because, uh, and I honestly don't know the answer to this. And and so I'm, I'm just very curious that you've been on SNL so many times, I've been so great at it, and seemed like you'd be a natural cast member on SNL. Is that something that you pursued, or did that just seem like it wasn't a possibility?
1: No, that was like the holy grail. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, there's a funny thing going into improv because... And, and, and the amount of work that goes in, it's, you know, you were doing, especially when you're a Sunday company, at least at Ground Lakes, you're doing a new show every week. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just crazy when you're still working two other full-time jobs. You're not getting paid for it. This is all on the side. And really, you're like, you've got two shots. You have, I'm like, one, you've already picked some type of performance. So you've already narrowed your slice of the pie down pretty small. Then you're like, wait a minute, I don't want all acting. I just want this sketch comedy improvising. Mm -hmm. So then you're looking at SNL or Mad TV. you've literally, like, all these people come together and we've, you know, it's a a very bad plan, but I think if you love it, you can't help it.
0: Did you audition?
1: No, I did almost every – I rarely, rarely ever took a show off from Groundlings uh, or, like, a whole run. I I did almost every run. I'm like, I'm here, I love it, I'll do every one. They come – usually SNL would always come once a year, every – Single time I was at Groundlings, eleven years. Every single time, where I'm like, I'm going to miss one show. I have to work, or I'm going to go see my folks, and I'm going to miss this one show. They're like SNL game, yeah. <laughs> Not saying that I would have, but I just never. Oh, I would have. It would have been amazing. Like the it's the whole.
0: Yeah, but it's interesting how somehow the universe saw to it that you've hosted SNL how many times? Five.
1: I, I think six.
0: Six. Okay. That's including the for, the 40th. I think it's yeah. six
1: with that, yeah. which is like... That's insane. I, first time I walked through there, um, you know, there it's the stage is so tiny. You can't believe how tiny that stage is. Mm-hmm. And they just move things in and out. And you you are literally, elbow to elbow, uh, is almost giving it too much space. And the first time, some, we were just passing through it. Someone was going to show me something else. And I realized that's the stage, and that's where the band plays. And I just... I just stood there and burst out crying. Yeah. And they were like, sorry, we're pretty used to it. So we just fling people by here. And I was like, I just absolutely, I like locked up and I just, I couldn't believe I was standing there. It was yeah. like, it was a really weird, I used to sneak down and watch SNL when I was a kid.
0: Were you not allowed to?
1: Um, I think if it was like past bedtime, like when I was really little, I wasn't. And then we would watch it, but it was up, it was like late for us. So I would, I would watch them one way or the other.
0: Yeah, I uh grew up. I think I would have been just starting to be able to stay up like on a Did Saturday. Did you watch night. it? Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah, I watched it. And I was I knew that my dad really liked comedy and had kind of a discerning eye for comedy.
1: Is your sense of humor like your dad's?
0: I think so. I like uh, a lot of the same things. And my mom also has a good sense of humor, but I like the absurd. And I think my father always, I mean, he used to take me to Pink Panther movies with Peter Sellers. And again, back to that same theme. Peter Sellers as Clouseau, completely committed and completely unaware. Uh, it never enters his mind that he's a fool. And I think that's one of my favorite comedy archetypes: is the very serious, committed idiot. You know,
1: totally. It's to me, it's a home. If you get in the right pocket, it's a it's a home run. It's, yeah. If you're not, I think it's a big thing. If you're not making, if you're making fun of the character you're playing, I think there's a meanness in that that bumps. It bumps yes. me as yeah. an audience member and I think it bumps not everybody because but I th- I think it bumps a lot of people and even if they laugh, like, you know, when we Ben and I make our movies and you do these screenings and you know, you want to see what works because so often like the joke that's it always happens the one that I'm like, Yes, it's too long. I, I didn't pull it together, but I swear it's like this is the one. And then the audience just kind of sit there and then it's like the th- different ones really hit. So you've got to kind of there's an alchemy to finding out. Not just what you like, but what the what works with the audience. And, you know, even if something is more mean-spirited, like you see people laugh, but I swear I can tell that they're like, huh? Like right. it's that, I, I'm going to laugh too, even though that made me kind of, un- the, the getting a laugh because you've made people uncomfortable not to laugh is never the laugh I want.
0: I'll take any laugh I can get. Well, who am I, I just kidding? Me too. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> That joke, Conan, that joke, it just killed seven people. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. You did very well. Uh, My name is Cahul. <laughs> <laughs> My name's Kunin. Kunin. <laughs> How much of this do you think comes from the fact that you raised on a farm in Illinois? I mean, it's such a cliche, but and I'm not I'm not saying that you were out there driving a tractor around, but there's there's a good heartedness that I associate with I don't know if that's fair, or just just a, is that a terrible cliche? A good heartedness that comes with Midwest Midwest values. Don't be too mean. Is that I a think, real thing?
1: I think that's I think that's fair. At least I can say it's fair in the sense that that's who my parents are. My parents yeah. are like. I mean, when you I, to me it seems like when you look up like if you had to get a standard like. You know, stock footage, picture, and image of Midwestern parents like Mike and Sandy are sitting there going like, good for you. (laughs) You know, they're just – they're like both kind of carved out of marzipan and and sweet and really hardworking. I don't know if it's the Midwest, but it's certainly – I get whatever that is from them.
0: Have you had this because – um, in your comedy and in your work, you're occasionally going to do stuff that you would never do in front of your parents. Oh
1: my God! In a million no. years,
0: this is what I've had. Which-
1: There's my parents. Like my mom has never sw- Like I remember maybe twice in my life, my mom really like the. It just I don't know what I was doing, but I'm sure it was like I was I was a jerk. But uh, I remember her once her big swear. She goes, Jesus Mary and Joseph. And I was like, "Holy shit, she's yeah. through the roof!" Like that was her. So we don't swear. There's no body ta- I mean, I probably say more stuff now, but it's still not like I never really work blue. I think people think because I've I've sworn a lot in movies, but that was really the character that
0: right, right. Like you're able I, to separate. Yeah, you have the protection of like, I'm, I
1: don't walk around like that,
0: right? But um, it's interesting to me that you can have the level of success that you've had, and consistent success, and then- Until today. This is where it all ends. Well, trust me. (laughs) (laughs) This podcast. (laughs) The second title we almost went with is The Career Stopper. (laughs) Welcome to Career Stoppers. Uh, (laughs) Holt, you're here. (laughs) (laughs) Back to the farm for you. Uh, No, it's interesting that I just, uh, it doesn't matter- what you achieve in the back of your mind, your parents are there somewhere. They're like those two Muppets, old Muppets in the sitting in the balcony. They're watching, and that's kind of your north star a little bit. Like, always and did I betray them somehow? Did I?
1: Yeah, and I'm always like, there's just certain things. I'm like, oh, ah, you don't have to. You don't have to watch that. But Ben, the first time they met, Ben was at the Groundlings, and he was doing a scene uh, with Jill Madsen, and they were sitting on the edge of the, the stage mm-hmm. in wetsuits with their feet over. And supposedly, you know, looking out at the audience, but that was the ocean. And the whole thing was – and Ben's like, I cannot – I think he even tried to, like, talk to the director and be like, I think we should maybe pull that scene tonight or not. And they're like, no, it's killing. And the whole thing was just them – they were a couple – I think they were a couple and just – Somehow nicely talking back and forth, but the gist of it was that, like, they definitely loved fucking porpoises. And they loved it. And they talked about it. In a very sweet way. In a very sweet way. And so Ben was like, this just isn't kind of what I thought I was going to be. This is your parents' first look at me
0: ever. That's fantastic. And
1: he was just horrified and they laughed I mean, they laughed, but it's like, would they ever to repeat that in front of them or I mean, but he was just dying and like things I did there. I was like, can you just kind of go to the lobby? after this scene and they're like, no, it's fine. Oh my, you're like, you certainly said some things.
2: (laughs) 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 You certainly did that. I
1: was like, oh mom, I'm sorry. Oh
0: mom. Yeah, I, uh, I did a show years ago in Chicago, a state show, um, and one of the parts of the state show, and I did it with Robert Smiley and Bob Odenkirk and a bunch of other performers. And we did this sketch that we weren't able to get on Saturday Night Live, It later got on Saturday Night Live, and it was um, about a nude camp, a, a nudist camp, and the whole idea was it starts with, uh, I think it started with uh, two people out there, and uh, I think it was Robert Smigel and another performer. Everything strategically covered. They look naked, but it, because it's a live show, they're just they're holding things that are covering their <laughs> genitalia, and then the one guy saying. Don't worry about it. And he's like, Well, it's my first time. You quickly forget that you're naked. It's not a big thing. You get over it. And and it's the most natural thing in the world. And then you're just talking about all kinds of stuff. And he was like, Really? And he's like, Yeah, trust me. It's going to be fine. And then I would enter and I've got a guitar that's covering me. <laughs> and I enter and I go, Hey, Jack. Hey, Bill. This is my friend Steve. Oh, hey, Steve. Hey, Jack. Nice penis. And then, Hey, Bill. Good penis. And then Bill's like, Hey, I like your penis too. And the guy is freaking out the whole time. And then people keep entering and it's all like, Hey, you've done some work on your penis. Yeah, yeah, I got a little work done on it. Hey, penis is looking (laughs) good. How's your penis? Penis is all right. Penis is a little tired today, but, and that's all they did. That was a sketch that always killed. And we did it at the Victory Gardens Theater uh, in Chicago on the north side. And I'll never forget the day I get a phone call. My parents said, we want to support you (sighs) in what you're doing. So we're all coming out. (sighs) And I'm, so it's my mother, my father, and my five brothers and sisters oh, God. are all coming out to see your show. And then I'm begging Robert Smigel, can we not do the penis sketch? <laughs> can we not do the penis sketch? And he said, what are you talking about? Yeah, we have to do it. It's like the kids, gets, you know. And what if a reviewer comes that night? I was begging him and we did it and I'm dying the whole time. No one ever said a word about it.
1: Really? They just
0: were like, oh, great show, great show, but- um, Could
1: you see them in the audience? No,
0: I think- that's good. I willed my eyes, (laughs) all the blood went out of my eyes (laughs) just through sheer force of will because, I mean, I don't know if you were raised Catholic, I was raised very Catholic. Yes, very. I just, one thing that my people can do is that if something unpleasant is happening, we can will it not to have happened. Yeah. And if something unpleasant comes in on the television and you're watching it with your parents, or something sexy or whatever, you can will it not to have happened.
1: Yes, and just yo, you know what I was thinking for tomorrow. I just thought you and just the perfect timing of just suddenly you're going to just talk over this part.
2: Yep, yeah. And
1: then right when it's done without looking, my mom would just be like, "So, just so you don't remember," and then we cut <laughs> to the <that scene. laughs> So and I was I knew, like, yeah. I knew she was due because I was like, oh. Also, the thought of like watching a sexy scene with your parents, like yeah. I would,
0: yeah, it's I would hilarious. Die to this I'm, day, I would. I'm picturing your mom in the theater with you when suddenly someone naked walks on screen, and she's like, "I'm thinking <laughs> corn tonight.
1: Maybe you know corn. What, you know what your aunt Marlene said the other day? <laughs> oh God, I did. I brought my parents to um, an ADR session, which is. You know, if you have to go and, like, kind of fix some of the if, – if the audio gets messed up You in have to movie, go in and, yeah, yeah, talk
0: into a microphone and fix those lines for yes. the movie. Yeah. That
1: was for the, the listener. Now, Conan, ADR – by ADR, I mean.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, you're also helping me because I don't know what ADR is.
1: Um, and I brought them in because, like, whenever they're in town, they just kind of – we pal around together. And I'm like, I'm going to work. Do you want to come with me? And they're like, sure. So I thought, well, it's ADR. It's fine. Um, we get in there and it was for um, – Oh, God, I always say it wrong. Uh, it's either ID ID Thief or Identity theft. We mm-hmm. went through 7,200 names.
0: Yeah.
1: And I, to this day, never said it. I say think it theft. was Identity theft. Okay. I never. I don't think I've ever said it, even when I was doing press for it. They're right. like, great job. You keep saying the name wrong. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but and we really did. We went through like 75 yet. versions of it. So yeah. it's like they were all swimming in my head to this day. And I brought them in, and the director was like, um... Uh, so he got through most of it and then he got kind of weird and he's like looking at my parents that are sitting in there watching. They're in the, the big recording studio and he's like, um, we've kind of got to get wild lines on, um, I, I need sex sounds. And I was oh like, oh my God. Sand, Which also I had never done. And I was like, um, and he's like, not so much sounds, but I th- I think you said – I said something like break my pelvis. And he's like, we need – there's a rustling on break my pelvis, so we need you to yell that out. And I just was like, mom, dad, you want to scram? They're like, yep, you bet. And they just <laughs> – <laughs> they, both, they both popped right up and just went right in the hallway. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Wow.
0: I, I think- don't make sex sounds during actual sex. <laughs> I'm the silent assassin. Uh, Will you keep your mask on? on, To make sure. It's a Nixon mask. Uh, Real treat for the wife. Uh, You know, I want to make sure that I, I mention, I got to see the Starling last night and I was very happy that you get to play all these different notes now. Not that you were banned from doing that before, but you have created the space where you can do that. I felt the same thing about the the Bob Ross documentary, which really I think is remarkable. And oh, I've been thanks. telling everybody watch the Bob Ross documentary. But
1: <laughs> I think people were they're like I think beforehand they were like please don't ruin Bob Ross for us. I was like no 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 it's not a hit piece it's no, not. no no it's, it's not. not
0: it's not it's a it's it's a really lovely documentary and I thank you what I what I came away from in this between because you've got all this work out there right now the Bob Ross documentary. And you've got the Starling, you know, nine perfect strangers. Is it nine or seven? Nine. I always like to shave two off of. There were twelve,
1: but I can't talk about it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But you've gotten to the point where I I can't put you in a pigeonhole, and I think that's a fantastic place to be in.
1: Oh. Thank you for that. And I, I feel- And like I have no rude.
0: influence, so <laughs> <laughs> don't be too gra- right. grateful for my compliment. Hey, Conan says I'm really going places. Uh-huh. Hey, guys.
1: Hey, Hollywood Boulevard. <laughs> have you heard the news? <laughs> Q says- Q um, I'll see. I still can't say it right. Um, I mean, I'm still pretty shocked that I work regularly. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ben and I often look at each other and we're like, aren't you kidding? Like, the fact that- we're always waiting for like the knock on the door where it's like, oh, okay, we just figured this out. Get out. Like
0: we're we'd be like, cool, cool,
1: cool. Can we grab a bag? We yeah, to, no, we can. Okay, <laughs> cool. That makes sense. Like literally, I think if that happened, we'd be like, we were waiting for this. So the fact that now it's like, I don't because I really loved, I loved doing plays and I loved, I love both. I just love all the storytelling and I don't think. It all has to be one or the other. It's like it's odd when you do a comedy and there's pathos in it, and sometimes it really throws people. Mm-hmm. Like I've had people just be like, "Well, I don't know why you have to have like a dramatic moment." I was like, "Well, the the characters, in order to be funny, they've got to, you've got to fall down, then you get to watch them get. Up. You have to fall to get up, and if you want to watch them to get up, they fall pretty hard. So you have to show that, and they're like, "But not in a, but it's a comedy." But I'm like, "Yeah, but Planes, Trains, and Automobiles is like a perfect movie. Yes, that." Terms of endearment, my God! It's it's I cry. It's such a heartbreaking thing. There's such funny moments in there. I'm like, I, I feel so lucky that I get to
0: to do both. Like in the Starling, you've got these people: you, Chris O'Dowd, you know, uh, Tim Oliphant, Kevin um, Klein, just Kevin,
1: Kline, just Kevin Jesus. For, I was
0: like, yeah, Kevin Klein, who are all have all the comedy chops in the world. Okay, and um, and then. They can use that. They can also not use that because you're dealing with some heavy stuff. But you're also, it's not an either-or. It's not an either-or. And I, I thought that was true of the the Bob Ross documentary. I really encourage people to check it out because I came away from it still loving Bob Ross yeah. more than ever because I reappreciate him. And there's nothing in the documentary that was revealed that made me think of him any less. He's just it was a beautiful man. Yeah. But seeing some of the darkness around. Uh, how he was treated by the business side of things was absolutely uh, – it's a, such a compelling story.
1: Oh, I know. Well, it's, that started – it's funny. Ben, we we both separately and together have always really loved, as I think, a strange uh, grouping of people. They love Bob Ross. If yep. it's – ironically, if it's as a soothing thing as just – it's great to just watch him paint. I remember since I was a kid, my dad would always get into a panic – every time by the right before the show ends before he would do like his big finale was always like now i'm going to put a, a big tree and my dad would yeah. always be like don't do it he's going to ruin the painting he's going to ruin it he's got a beautiful painting what is he doing and yeah. you know
0: I'm like it is chilling when you watch it, it when you watch him crazy. do it, it seems and like- it's always right in the foreground it's cutting the picture in two and then he does it and you go Oh.
1: oh, what a wonderful trait. And then my dad would be like, my God, it's a wonderful trait. <laughs> every time, but every time it's, it was the consistency of, yeah. he was so compelled by this gentleman. And Ben, Ben was looking to write, a, was thinking about writing a biopic and possibly wanting to play him because he's, mm-hmm. he was kind of so fascinated. So he started, kind of started doing like, you know, the basic research was, you know, just getting online mm-hmm. and God knows every, bit of information on every human is available with Mm -hmm. pictures and slides and everything else. And when he started trying to figure stuff out, he was like, there's nothing on him. Yeah. Like anywhere. There's two kind of like lines that have been presented. He goes, I can't, there's no photos from other people. And he's like, do I have to go to Muncie? And like, he was thinking about taking a road trip with a friend to Muncie, Indiana and just like starting it. And that's when, you know, these great documentary um, Josh came in and Stephen, and they had just done Lorena, and they were like, you know, is any are you kind of thinking of any topics? And uh, someone, Divya D'Souza, that works with us, was like, well, they're they're pretty down a wormhole with Bob Ross, but the wormhole is yeah. is proving nothing. And just by that, we were so fascinated as why why don't we know someone that we all know so well?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And these guys, I literally think it was like two weeks later. They were like, We're in Florida, we're knocking on doors. Like the investigative route that I never th- I mean, you when you play it backwards, of course it takes all this research, but you know, we start we know we know the blueprint going into when we make movies. Mm-hmm. Like even if it changes somewhat, you know the you know the basic map. And they went in and they're like, you know, we we have no story to tell. We can just tell what's there. Yeah. So we absolutely don't know where this is going. And watching them kind of do that process, and then just truly seeing it take shape was was so fascinating. And uh, I just I really enjoyed watching them do what they do so well.
0: With the Bob Ross documentary, it's like you got it. You got you got lighting in a bottle. It's really terrific.
1: Oh, thanks. Thanks.
0: Um, and I have. Used up so much of your time, and oh, I know that's that you... what I
1: was thinking. <laughs> I was like, "Wow,
0: <laughs> this is." Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> you you know went on and on about how you know amazed <laughs> you were to be Conan O'Brien's best friend, and then suddenly uh, you I'm have... so
1: long-winded. Yeah, I don't give snippets. I'm terrible at it. I don't know.
0: That's also me. I think I stopped the show a couple <laughs> times to tell you my entire life story. Um, <laughs> but uh, congratulations on everything, including being one of the voices of Alexa now, which. If that is not a sign that you've made it in 2021, what is?
1: I don't know. I mean, uh, to be like, you know you know what people want to hear in their house? A, a real nas- nasal Chicago gal. <laughs> That's... <laughs> And like my kids don't like it when they are like, hey Melissa, what they're like, ah oh. <laughs> <laughs> like they do my girls are like, it's just so weird.
0: Well, they're it's certainly weird. not coming from me. So <laughs> 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 I think you should take you should take that gig and run with it. I'll because do that. no one is knocking on my door. Um, <laughs> Melissa, an absolute joy. You're your my favorite kind of person is a very, very talented person. Nice person who's grateful for what they have And you are uh, all of those things So thank you very much for doing this
1: Thanks, I wish I could say the same (laughs) Damn
0: it (laughs) Yes. that's your Club instinct moving in You just shut me down like a heckler That's because you told me to take my top (laughs) off And then put it back on It's true, I did keep holding a sign up Throughout the interview, take your top off Which I thought was funny, (laughs) but I've been drinking A lot of beer So much beer If you can't find it in California, man, you got a problem. Yeah. I shouldn't have done that, I made that up on my own. Anyway, I love California. Discover why California is the ultimate playground. Head to visitcalifornia.com to start planning your trip today. Come on, if most people are being honest,
2: A few weeks ago on the sort of sister podcast to this, Conan O'Brien Needs a Fan, we talked to a lovely young woman who is a tattoo artist. Do you remember this? Yes, I do. Her name was Christina, and she asked you what you would like to have if you had to get a tattoo. And we also inquired about the tattoo that she did on her husband, which was a full sized bear head across the chest. Yeah. She got back to us with actual wonderful illustrations and a picture of her husband. Now, I don't know if you remember this, but we suggested that the husband shave his chest (laughs) except for the area of the bear and the snout of the bear. So it looked like a fuzzy bear on his chest. Do you remember Uh, that? Yes, I do. This is a, a nice tattoo oh, wow. she did of you embedded in a rose and in a heart. And we'll put these pictures up on the Team Coco podcast's Instagram.
0: Oh, look at that.
2: That is fantastic. Isn't that uh, something?
0: Wow. Now, is that a tattoo I could get?
2: Yes, I think that's the point. It this is future a tat- tattoos. Well, wait yeah. a minute.
0: What does it say about you? if you have a tattoo of yourself on your chest.
2: Uh, Isn't that- It says a lot. I oh. think, <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow, I would, you know what I'd love to do is get that on my back, huge, really giant, a tattoo of myself. And what I'd like to do is then like jog on the beach, someplace where I think there might be paparazzi around. I would love it if it got out that I had a giant tattoo oh, of myself yeah.
2: on my back. And you could do what her husband did and shave everything but the hair. <laughs> just the hair? And just hair? let your back hair be the hair.
0: <laughs> yes, just yeah, exact, the pompadour. <laughs> yeah. So that my orange back hair, and there's, <laughs> there's not a lot, uh, but there's some, would match, would, 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 uh, would correspond with the hair on the tattoo. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, and you know I what agree. I could do? I don't have to really get the tattoo, but I'd love for someone to get that photo and for that to show up somewhere, like has Conan O'Brien lost his mind?
2: Oh, that would be great. Mm-hmm.
0: That would be terrific. That's what I'm I'm gonna do that. I was going uh, to raise money for a charity this weekend, a very important charity, but I'm gonna cancel that <laughs> and instead do this practical joke that benefits no one.
2: Uh, now here's the second one. I don't know if you remember this and what you arrived at is a heart with you in it and pushing Sona and me out of the heart.
0: Oh, <laughs> I love that. So let's You're see. You're just hanging I'm, on there. That's great. I'm in, I'm nestled in the heart and I'm not even making eye contact with either one of you.
2: No, and I somehow look like Larry King here. <laughs>
0: say you look really old. Either. No, you don't look as good as Larry King. Uh, <laughs> uh, Do you have body odor there or is that just a breeze that's blowing on you? I,
2: I, I'm not entirely sure to be okay.
0: honest. Okay, not only am I pushing you both out of the heart, but I won't even make eye contact with you. I'm looking no. away
2: and smiling
0: like a true sociopath. still pose yeah. with your hand on your chin too. I
2: know. You're looking to the future and you're getting rid of your past.
0: Yes, my cruddy past. I'm looking towards a better tomorrow. Uh, I'm also, I've got my hand on Sona's face, yeah. which I would mm-hmm. never do in real life because she's a biter. <laughs> you know. <laughs> she's, she's like a feral rabbit. She would, she would chomp down... Especially now that she's got those those twins, she is a ferocious ferocious mom. Yeah. I don't so like I would her. not I wouldn't go anywhere near like like any uh, frightened animal. I'd try and get her in a sack first, you know, some kind of burlap <laughs> bag uh, that her claws couldn't penetrate. And Sona, I really do miss you. I love you. And I, I'm so glad that you're a new mom. Uh, I'm sorry I said that I likened you to a a, a feral feral uh, rodent. That was a, probably not my kindest moment but uh but it's honestly how i would try and subdue you.
2: All right and then up next here is of course her husband. It's a little hard to make out but that tawny color on there is his chest hair.
0: <laughs> oh my god, he did wow. it. Wow. Isn't that Look at that.
2: Yeah. That's and amazing. It, and like everything but the mouth and tongue of the bear are shaved, and then of course the outside of the bear, the negative space is shaved, and he's just got like a full Muppet bear on his chest.
0: Okay, here's my question about tattoos. Um, No one thinks about this, uh, but we age, and skin starts to grow slack. What happens to those tattoos? Do they become, I mean, that bear is gonna, you know, turn into, what's he gonna turn
2: into? Walter (laughs) Matthau.
0: Yes, exactly. Walter Matthau around... uh, you know, grumpy old men three, (laughs) you know, that's what's gonna happen. He's gonna turn into a Walter Matthau. He's not gonna be a bear anymore. And I think that happens a lot. I think people get these tattoos and then, uh, you know, inevitably, I mean, that's a young man. She was a very young woman. That's a young man. He's got plenty of years of having a bear on his chest, but it's all gonna collapse in on itself. And it's just gonna be this melted brown marshmallow. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) <laughs> What's well, true? I'm just going by the way my own body is collapsing. I'm I'm judging. I'm not being ageist here. This is. I look at my own naked chest every morning. It should be condemned. The whole area should be roped off and condemned as a as a hazard. It should be. It's just collapsing. Oh, have you ever seen me without my shirt on? I David? have. Yeah. Uh, when did you do that?
2: <laughs> yeah. Tell
0: what, us more. What, yeah, what's going on, you David? What do you, do, do you mean you my shirt on?
2: Uh, last week, we were in a trailer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. That's true.
0: That's true, actually. I thought you were doing a bit.
2: Did you guys, just the two of you rented a trailer in we Barstow? We did not rent
0: or? a trailer. I, oh. uh, I did a little something with my good friend, Mr. Will Arnett, uh, and uh, I, I did a little project and they gave me a trailer. And yeah, you and I were trapped in the trailer. <laughs> two straight days of. <laughs> it was, yes, two straight days of, it was about 110 degrees outside. Mm-hmm. We were in this trailer huddled because it had air conditioning. And <laughs> in between, it's one of those shoots where, uh, you know, you wait two hours in between shoots before you, they knock on your door again and say, we're ready for you, Mr. O'Brien. And so it'd be David and I, chin to chin, cheek to jowl, And then I'd have to get changed and you would not leave the trailer. (laughs) And you saw the crime that is my upper torso. Wasn't that, it was kind of strange. At one point, David was, there's no room in this trailer, hardly any. I fell asleep on this little half couch Uh and I woke up and you were just sitting there opposite me, Mm -hmm. not even looking at your phone or anything, just sitting there like, (laughs) like a robot whose battery had been turned turned off. <laughs> I have my laptop for the record. I was on my laptop. But you were staring at we me. We all <laughs> no, was mur- I was I'm not I was not my murder. David,
2: you do seem like a changed man after that. Something's different.
0: <laughs> there were hours where we were complaining about being hot, thinking that the AC was broken. We didn't know that it was off the whole time. Somehow it had gotten turned off. And so we were sitting in this trailer in a hundred degree heat and baking and just sweat pouring off of me. And I'm wearing a suit because I was playing a detective in this uh, role, sweat Mm -hmm. pumping off of me. Mm -hmm. And we thought, man, I guess we should go tell someone this thing doesn't work. And then Uh you said, oh, look. There's a button here that says off on, and it's in the off oh, position. No. Uh-huh. Then we oh, waited no. another two hours to try turning it on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, I'm kidding no. about that. No, we, we turned it no, we on. Turned right it on away. It was, yeah, it I would love great. if we it were like, nice. not yet. Give it two more hours. <laughs>
2: Well, listeners can easily go to Team Coco Podcasts on Instagram and check out these pictures. And you can also listen to the Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend episode, uh, which is actually, the title of it is called Down to the Cockaroo, if you want to hear the exact episode. So check it out.
0: I have to say, I kind of remember what happens on this podcast, but on the fan ones, I forget what was said. And then I'll be walking along and people come up to me and they'll say... Someone came up to me the other day and said, tongue to anus, eh? <laughs> okay. And I didn't know what they were
2: talking about. Uh, yeah, that's right. And that's I, from the- I know,
0: But I forget, <laughs> and that was from when we talked to, it's a great episode, I thought, it was really fascinating, but we talked to a coroner, a pathologist, yeah. and he talked about how they, I don't wanna get into it too much, but he used the term tongue to anus, which means everything from the back of your tongue to that other part of your body is all connected and I, I think I heard that in that moment, but then forgot about it. Yeah. And so a couple of weeks go by and I'm coming out of a coffee shop holding my iced latte mocha chate, This guy's passing me and he goes like, hey, hey, tongue to anus. Now in any other culture, that's either the nicest thing you can say to someone <laughs> or a terrible threat. And I didn't know what he was talking about. So that happens more and more now because of the Kona fan episodes.
2: I don't know what to say. This is, the, this is the future you've writ for yourself. This I think this is gonna happen more and more.
0: What if someone came up to me and said, hey, Conan, tongue to anus. And I said, oh, fan of the podcast day. And they went, you have a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> and I'd be like, Ugh.
2: Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. With Conan O'Brien, Sonam Movsesian, and Matt Gourley. Produced by me, Matt Gourley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs, Joanna Solitaroff, and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Cody Fisher at Earwolf. Theme song by The White Stripes. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. Take it away, Jimmy. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, and our associate talent producer is Jennifer Samples. Engineering by Will Beckton. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. Emmy award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents, Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific time, only on Netflix.
0: Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend is sponsored by ADT. Now ADT professionally installs Google Nest products so your home is safe and smart. Google Nest Cams can tell the difference between a person, an animal, and a vehicle. Mm. Or with Nest Doorbell, even a package. I can't tell the difference between those things. That's incredible. <laughs> and with Nest Aware as part of your monthly ADT service, you get 30 days of event video history. Plus, when every second counts, you can trust ADT's 24-7 professional monitor and go to ADT.com today or call 1-800-ADT-ASAP. Google, Nest Cam, Nest Doorbell, and Nest Aware are trademarks of Google LLC.